You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. This morning we celebrate without a doubt the the most significant day in our Christian calendar. You know, I, Christmas I love as we remember that Jesus came and he was born not into the, the, the system that we would have expected. We, he should have been born into a palace and into royalty, but he was royalty, but born in a stable. But this day, Resurrection Sunday, the day that our Lord came back to life, having died for the sin of all humanity, this is the day that matters most. This is the day that matters more than anything else. And today we, we receive hope and a reminder that our past doesn't determine our future. The things, the decisions we've made, our failures, the things that we haven't got right, it doesn't determine what Jesus wants to do in our future and also our present. Today is the day we're reminded that God's love was lavishly poured out for us with blood on Calvary. That we serve a king who is not dead, but he is alive. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will return one day on a white horse, and he will gather all those who are his. And with a celebration, we're also left to consider this thought. If Jesus' death and resurrection was in fact real, what will we do with that information? What will we do with that knowledge and understanding? Let me read a passage I want to focus on this Resurrection Sunday. John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this is what he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Has your heart ever been troubled before? Come on, all, all the time. Come on, we've all felt that troubling nature, that moment where things don't quite seem right. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Let me pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you. You are the word, the word of life that sets us free, that brings freedom to every heart held in captivity. Today, as we celebrate you, your resurrection, coming back to life, so that we would also have life. Today, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, many people in this place may have known you, have experienced that love and that freedom, and others are saying, what is this? I don't understand this. God, I pray for your understanding, your truth to be revealed to hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, a vacuum salesman once knocked on the door of a house, and a woman answers the door and says, um, and, and he's, he's got this vacuum, and she can tell what this is, what it's going to be. And she says, look, I'm, I'm sorry, this just isn't a good time. And he's pretty persistent. He, you know, she goes to close the door, and he sticks his foot in the door and, and says, ma'am, just give me five minutes. I want to I show you how magnificent this product is. And she says, look, I, I just, it's just not going to work. Please just trust me. And he says, ma'am, and he, he bursts in through the door and he takes a bag of manure and he, he pours it on her carpet and says, ma'am, this product is un unbelievable. 
I guarantee that this, all of this manure will be sucked up into this vacuum cleaner if you just give me the chance to prove this. And you know what? If it doesn't, I'm going to eat it. So she, starts, she turns and she starts walking away. He says, where are you going? She says, so I'm going to the kitchen to get a fork. They've just turned off our power. <laughs> Probably not my best one, but not bad. Do it for the lols. <laughs> but you know what? Over, over the centuries, there have been a lot of people that have made outrageous claims with no power to back it up. Politicians, world leaders, sports stars, movie stars that have claimed this or claimed that. But when the push comes to shove, they're not able to back up the, the things that they've declared or they've stated. You know, Jesus, he made some outrageous statements, none more than these three statements, the way, the truth, and the life. But as we read through Scripture, as we read through the prophecies of the Old Testament that are fulfilled when Jesus came, and the prophecies that have been fulfilled since the words that Jesus has spoken, there is evidence to prove of his existence, of his life, his death, and his resurrection. For Jesus to make this claim that he was the way, the truth, and the life was outrageous and truly confronting, certainly to a world system that says God does not exist. Why would I put my hope and trust in a God I can't see? This morning on Resurrection Sunday, I want to look at three common thoughts or ideas that we would hear or understand, and you've probably had these conversations with people uh, throughout your lifetime. I know I certainly have. Countering the claims or Jesus countering these claims with the truth of who he was. The first thought is that the world would say that there are many ways to God, many ways to gain access to God. But Jesus, he was very clear. He said he is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to God. He said in Matthew 7, 13 to 14, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many who go in by it, but because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. We're all on a pursuit of trying to find God or what we understand it to be. Most would understand there is something greater than themselves, although many of us end up worshiping ourselves and serving our own pleasures and our own desires. And we've tried to create eternal happiness, tried to think that there's lots of different ways, lots of things I can do to gain God's favor. Some people would even believe in God, and they, they believe that if they're a good enough person, if they do enough things, God will go, you know what? you got to pass. How many people in school, 51% was enough? Well, 50% 50, 50 was enough. It's like a pass is good enough, right? But the Bible says that there's not one who is righteous, not even one. None of us qualify. It's like you sit the test and you're destined to fail. Imagine that in the schooling system. It's like, hey, welcome to the test. You will fail. But that's the reality of our lives and our existence without God. The Bible talks about in Isaiah 64, 6, that all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts, we're told, are like filthy rags. Those filthy rags are actually the grave clothes, just, just described as grave clothes. There is nothing worse than grave clothes, right? The cast off 
grave clothes. That's us. That's us attempting to get to God. If I can be just good enough, God will let me in. Jesus says, no. All your righteous acts, all the good things you do, as good as they are, they will not make you right with the Father. Our righteousness, righteousness meaning being right with God, our righteousness comes in and through Jesus alone. Friends, Jesus is the way to the Father. There is no other way to the Father. The second statement the world would say, we might hear in our conversations that is, is truth is relative. You've got your truth, I've got mine. You know, if I feel it, it's good enough for me. Don't hurt my feelings. Don't, don't hurt my feelings with this supposed truth. But I love the fact that God stands on the side of truth because he is truth. And if we would align ourselves with truth, we align ourselves with him. An adjustment saying, I'm out of line, but I come in line with you, Jesus, because you are the truth. I, I sat waiting to be selected for jury duty. I, I think a, a number of months ago, I shared that I, I got challenged when I was, went into jury duty, walked into the courtroom, and immediately they're like, challenge. I didn't even get a step inside. There were seven other people that had gone in, and they all got into the jury, and, and I was the first that got rejected. For, <gasps> so sad. This time, it wasn't quite as bad. All right, we all went into the courtroom together, and out of the, the ballot box came all the names. And this time, I didn't even make it into the courtroom because there weren't enough seats in the courtroom. So I was standing in the hallway, kind of peeking in, going, hey, you know, I'm here. But as it turned out, my name was not called. My name did not come out of the ballot box. We went back into the holding pen, whatever they call it, and we found ourselves, <laughs> found myself having a conversation with a couple of people as we were waiting to be released, uh, no longer acquire for jury duty. And um, so I talked with one guy who's a truck driver, another guy who's a teacher. And uh, then they asked, what do you do? That always starts a good conversation. And I said, I'm a pastor. He said, oh, it's interesting that, that they, they get us to swear on the Bible. What if we don't believe that the Bible's even true. I said, well, actually, you'll notice that they, they gave us two options, that we could, we could swear on the Bible or we could effectively swear on ourselves. In other words, we, we can say, I will, as the best I can, be a moral, upright, and full of integrity citizen. And on the basis of my goodness and my morality, you can trust me to make a good decision in the court. I said, the problem I have with myself is I don't have that morality like God does. But the values and the goodness of God, that's what I put my trust in. So that's why I have no problem swearing on the Bible. Not sure about you. <laughs> Interesting conversation, right? We talked about the fact that the nation was built on the laws of God. Most Western civilizations have been built on the, the understanding of what the Bible teaches about the Ten Commandments. But we, like sheep, have gone astray. We are a nation that is staring away from the truth of God's Word because the truth of God's Word offends us. And it does. The truth of God hurts my feelings. The things that I want to feel, that, 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 that God says, I've got a better way. I've got truth that will set you free. He stood before Pilate, and Pilate says, what is truth? Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
But here's the reality of our world today. Many of us would prefer just to reject the very existence of God. Not even dive into the reality of whether or not Jesus existed. It's better just to say, no, he doesn't exist. No, 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 no. I saw this video of this uh, probably mid-twenties, this woman kind of screaming at this guy who was preaching the gospel saying, if you don't give me photographic evidence that Jesus was raised from the dead, I won't believe. Photographic evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. How about historical evidence? Like if you were to look at every historical figure that has existed in the last few thousand years, there is more evidence that Jesus was alive, that the resurrection took place. And even the resurrection, there's more evidence than that, than, than even Caesar and all these other world leaders. Jesus was a real person. We cannot deny that. No one can deny that. Whether he was, as C.S. Lewis is, lunatic, liar, or Lord, that's for us to determine in our hearts. Will we decide that? For me, he is my Lord. He was crazy, yeah, but not in the sense that we would understand. Why would anyone give their life for someone else? That's kind of crazy, right? But we're not talking about a, a lunatic, someone who was not in control of their mind. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he went to the cross. And he gave that opportunity for all of us to find freedom in him. But we like to exchange the truth of God for a lie. In fact, it says that in Romans 1, verse 25, they traded the truth. Let's just say they trade. We trade. We still do it. It wasn't just a problem 2,000 years ago. It's a problem today. We trade the truth about God for a lie. So we worship and serve things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. We worship people. We worship things, we worship objects, we worship our house, our car, whatever it is. These things become more important and we pursue them with all of our heart, with all of our energy. We pour ourselves into achieving those things. I was chatting with a friend who went through the horrific you know, process of, of bankruptcy. Like really difficult, painful. But he says on the other side of it, I know what matters now. In his pursuit and gaining everything, he, he'd lost sight of everything. Now his relationship with his family, with his wife and his kids is in a completely different place to what it was before. The thing he thought mattered the most, he realized didn't. Friends, we don't have Jesus in the flesh with us today. But we do have him with us every day. For some, he's actually resting beside you. Maybe you're holding in your hands. The very word of God is Jesus himself. The Bible says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word. Every time we open the word of God, we are engaging with the living God himself. You say, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to process this. Would you open the word of God, and would you read it? And begin to believe what the Word says about you and about your situation, about your circumstances. For every mystery, for every fear, for every anxious thought, the Word of God is there to bring answers to us. But as followers of Christ, we must choose to renew our minds by the reading of the Word. 
It's a choice that each of us can make. And maybe for some this Easter, this, this resurrection weekend, it's a moment for us to go, God, I, I want to know you more. I don't want to read out of a religious sense of obligation, but because I want to know you more. And if reading your word would help me understand who you are as a person and, and how you would relate to me, then, then let me open the word. And God, I pray today for revelation for those who in faith today would say, I want to read your word. I want to understand you. God, I pray that eyes would be open, that hearts would be open to see you as we open the word, that we wouldn't read the word of God and our eyes glaze over. But we would read the Word of God and it would penetrate our hearts. It would divide soul and spirit. It would, it would divide the des desires and the intentions of our heart. That you would find freedom and life in His Word. As the team come this morning, here's a third area that we hear, or a third truth or third thought that we hear throughout the world. The world says, live for yourself. You only live once, right? Your life is temporal. It's to what we can in this lifetime because that's it. That's it. There's nothing beyond here. But Jesus says, I am the life. Jesus is the source of eternal life. Here's the reality. Our soul, spirit lives on. Our spirit lives on. When our bodies go to the ground, or cremated, whatever it is, when we bury a loved one, the body is dead, but the spirit is alive. The question is where and with whom does that spirit now rest? With God or without Him? The gospel is good news, but the gospel came at a great price. I think some people, some of us can misunderstand what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Christ. When we think, if I... If I pray a prayer like they asked me to and I'll get all the things that I ask for I've yet to see that be true yes some of my prayers have been answered and some haven't and in the ones where the prayers haven't been answered in the way I thought maybe God answered it slightly differently you know what started to happen my faith muscles grew I leaned in, I got closer to God in those moments where I was wrestling with the pain and the sacrifice. If Jesus was to take up a cross and he says, follow me, doesn't that mean that we take up ours as well with joy? Because you know what? When, when, when I live my life crucified in Christ, what else have you got on me? What else can you take from me? If my joy is Him in His presence, and an eternal presence with Him. Sometimes we think, oh, heaven's going to be boring. I know because we can't understand it. Our finite minds can't understand infinity, eternity. You know, the Bible talks about the angels and the seraphim falling on their feet, on their face before God, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then it's like they lift their eyes and God reveals a little more of His glory. Holy, holy, holy. This is continual worship that will continue on and our praise and all the things we thought mattered in this world do not matter. But His presence, being with Him, 
being close to Him, knowing Him. So I'll take up my cross. I'll count the cost. I'll let it hurt a little if that's what it takes. Because I just want to be close to Jesus. I want to walk like He walked. I want want to take my cross like He took His cross. I want to be able to sacrifice the things in my life that I wanted to hold on for myself if that's what He asks me to do. In the sixth chapter of John, Jesus is taught about how the bread of heaven would come and the suffering that Jesus would go through. He tells His disciples that some are going to fall away on behalf of me. Because of all of this, some will fall away. And Peter, he's asked, will you leave too? Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? In verse 68, you have the words of eternal life. Desperately desiring the words of eternal life. That was Peter's heart. As I said out earlier, there's claims out there of this God or that. A God that would bring healing and hope. We worship this one. And if we follow this one, and maybe we worship all of them, it'll all kind of lead to heaven. No, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the eternal life. When Jesus raised Lazarus to life in the 11th chapter of John, he declares another bold statement, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. That's for you, for me, out of our sin. Lazarus was raised to life, but Jesus knew he would still have another physical death, right? It's like, well, he raised him to life, but he didn't live forever. He still died. His physical body did. But his eternal salvation, the spirit was raised to life. In the same way that when Christ went into the tomb, Sarah said it was like a womb. Life, not just for Christ himself, but his life meant life for you and for me. For many, it's easier to write off Christ's miraculous resurrection, even though so accurately recorded. We write it off because our sinful nature fights eternity. Because we just want to live for now. Want to live in this moment and enjoy this moment. And God, don't bother me with that thing called sacrifice. Not so sure. I'd rather have the cross that kind of hangs around my neck. Gold with a little jewel embalmed in there or something. That's kind of how I want to wear my faith. Comfortable around my neck. What about on my shoulders? Nothing wrong with wearing a cross, by the way, please. <laughs> Don't be offended by that. Thought. <laughs> but I'll also put the cross on my shoulder if that's what it takes and follow Him. John 3.16, possibly the, the most well-known verse if you've never been in church before. Right next to judge not, lest you be judged. Uh, <laughs> seems to be another one that people pick up on on Christians, sadly. But Jesus said, God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's good news. That is the good news right there. I was talking with someone after the service last Sunday and talking about the thieves on the cross. They they said Barabbas was the one that was actually should have been on that cross. And there's a good chance that the two on the cross were connected with Barabbas, that they were part of the same insurrection. The very fact that Jesus took the place of the most notorious sinner, took his place on the cross, 
shows the love and the mercy of a God that would give himself for us. What's interesting is the two responses. And this is the, this is the two responses in the world. You got one thief that says, aren't you the Christ? Save us. Save yourself. He didn't mean that, though. He was mocking him. He was taunting. The second thief says, don't you fear God? Talks to the other thief. Are you crazy? Do you not fear God? And then he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, would you remember me in paradise? Would you remember me in paradise? Now, here's what can mess with the religious mind a little bit. He wasn't baptized. Didn't do growth track. Uh Uh-oh. Definitely didn't pay tithes. (laughs) And yet Jesus says, today, you will be with me in paradise. What was it? What was it? And some of us go, that's not fair. (laughs) Hold on, I I spent my whole life living for Jesus. and, And what, someone can just make a decision at the end. You haven't been living your whole life for Jesus if that's what you feel. Truly. Wouldn't, wouldn't you go, yes, that person that was so close to going into eternity without Christ would be received by Him. That's good news. My question is, which thief are we? Anyone ever stolen something? Anyone ever told a lie? We qualify for the title of a sinner. But which thief are we? Are we one that would mock Christ's existence? Or we one that would say, remember me. Remember me, Jesus. Death is coming, friends. <laughs> We're doing all we can to prevent it, right? There's crazy diets. We don't get to eat anything nice. Come on, that laughter tells it all. We've tried it. We want to live longer. We'll have surgery. We'll try products. We'll even do that crazy thing called running to try and prolong our lives, exercise. What is that? (laughs) We live our lives trying to prevent the death, right? But at some stage, it's coming. Might be a short time. It might be a long time. My question is, have we truly lived? Have we truly lived a life as a worth? And God doesn't, He's not concerned about the sin of our statefulness in terms of the, the bad sins, the good sins. and There is no ranking system. Please, please understand this. The very fact that we have sin in our lives makes us a sinner. And I've found that sometimes the, the greatest sinner, if you were to talk about that, the things that have done, people that have done the most atrocious things will often receive that grace with that much more power. God, forgive me. Death comes to all. But what sets Christianity above every other religion is that you could go to the tomb of Muhammad. He didn't rise. Buddha. They taught some good things, some things that were good. The thing that sets Christianity apart from every other faith is that the, the hero of the text You want to understand a religion, you study the hero of the text, and then you study the text, 
do their lives match up? Is there a consistency? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he went into the tomb, but he didn't stay in the tomb. He was alive and he is alive today. So the question is, how will I respond? What is my response? It's a question of who we will put our faith in. I've often asked a question, tell me your faith journey. This is someone who doesn't necessarily believe in Jesus. Tell me your faith journey. Oh, I don't really have a faith. I'm like, so you believe in yourself then? What do you mean? I said, well, we, we all put our faith in something, right? We'll put in faith in myself to save myself, to care for myself. In fact, this is an incredibly large group of people who are putting faith in the structural integrity of the chair you're sitting on right now. I bet not many of you today thought, I really hope this chair holds me up. And yet your faith is second to none in the way you're sitting there so comfortably on that chair. At any moment, that could give way. And yet you have complete faith. I have faith that the garbage truck will come and collect our rubbish. My wife has faith in me that I will put the garbage out in the rubbish bin. Her faith is not always well placed. Come on, we have faith that there's money in our account when we swipe that supermarket bill. Yes, it's in there. That the bank hasn't spent it all or gone under, right? We have faith all the time in, in people and systems. My question is, where is your faith placed? Because I can put my faith in people, systems, or I can put my faith in Jesus. Friends, which thief are you today? Are you one that says, Jesus, remember me in paradise? Or are you the one that would say, are you even God? Can't even save yourself. It would be my honor and privilege to pray for anybody today. Something stirring in your heart today. Truly you're believing that God is who he says he is. That Jesus, the claims that he was the way, the truth, the life. Today, something's stirring in you. And it's okay that you might not have all the answers. I still don't. Mine's a lifetime pursuit of understanding Him and knowing Him. But I know my life is built on the foundational truth that God is, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's you today. It would be my honor to pray a prayer with you. Like that, that, that thief on the cross that would say, Jesus, remember me. Will we pray that today? Jesus. Today we've talked about the fact that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, I may not know much, but my faith is stirring. I believe that you did live a perfect life, that you were a sacrifice that paid for my sin. And today I ask you, Jesus, to remember me. Thank you, Jesus, that my sin does not have to be counted against me even though it should. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my sin 
on your shoulders. The sin of all humanity. And you died so that the shedding of blood could mean that I could have a relationship with the Father. So today, I surrender my life to you. Today, I choose to count the cost of what it means to follow you. Today, I join hundreds of people in this room who have made the decision to follow you. And today, I declare that I want you to be Lord of my life, first in everything, the one I will follow and live my life for. In Jesus' name. Friends, would you look at me for a moment? This is the greatest day that we celebrate in the Christian calendar. And it would be our joy, our celebration, our excitement. If you prayed that prayer, we would love to celebrate that decision with you. And I can promise you, there is no judgment here. This is the place where we can come broken, knowing that we have a Savior that will bring healing to our lives. But if you prayed that prayer, would you be brave enough right now to raise your hand and give us a wave? If you prayed that prayer, receiving Christ into your life. Come on, right now. I know there's some people that have prayed that today. Anybody here? Thank you, Jesus. Yes, up the back. Thank you. Praise God. Come on, anyone else this morning, you prayed that prayer, it's okay. Just raise your hand high so we can see it and we can celebrate with you. Yes. Yeah, come on. Come on, anyone else this morning? Yes. Thank you, God. Thank you up the back. I see the hand. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.